The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. In full swing, Wall Street extends its eighth straight winning streak as traders bet on Fed rate cuts as early as March. Chinese industrial profits surge almost 30% on the year in November, benefiting from a raft of government stimulus measures, but still lagging behind 2022 levels for the year so far. And it's game on. Hong Kong stocks advance, led by online gaming companies, as Beijing softens its stance against the industry following a stock sell-off on Friday. And oil prices spiking as Houthi rebels target another container ship in the Red Sea, with MSC now pledging to avoid the area and send cargo via the Cape of Good Hope. You're watching a special holiday edition of Squawkbox and the nice Christmas, Arabic. Yeah, it was a great Christmas. How was yours? Good? A little bit of turkey price inflation this year to note. It was much more expensive than previous years. I've never been such a turkey fan, actually. So we went out for this lunch and it was sort of this buffet as well. And, and you could tell the prices are a little bit steeper than, than usual, uh, definitely around this time anyway. So I guess kind of expected in some ways. I was right? stunned when I picked up the turkey on uh, Christmas Eve yeah. and the price. It was about uh, £40 more than I thought it would be. Wow, a whole £40? So we gave it a little name. Is this the, compared to last year? Yeah. So it, it fattened up, I guess. Well, yes, the but it, we gave it a name. We couldn't give it a real name, but we called it 4.9 <laughs> because it was actually you know, a kilo. But still very expensive, but yeah. a wonderful Christmas was and great celebrations. Yeah, yeah. look, what, we might be, at, you know, Christmas might be done and dusted for this year, but the year isn't over as yet. No, we're counting down to New Year's Eve. Yeah. And, of course, that means markets have been off to a positive start in the final trading week of 2023. All three major U.S. indices are coming off an eight-week winning streak, the longest positive run for the S&P 500 since 2017. The Santa Rally has added to a positive year for the U.S. majors, led by the tech-heavy Nasdaq, which is set for its strongest yearly gain since 2003. So let's just talk about the Santa Claus Rally, or perhaps we should rename it the Powell Rally this time round, because in November it was an incredibly hard act to follow. December, the gains started to come very thick and fast early on, and then it then felt as though we were going to run out of steam, and we had Jay Powell effectively talking about this pivot, that uh, the Fed is going to be cutting rates in 2024. So now I think if you look at the, the areas of the market that have been rallying into year-end, Magnificent Seven still rallying. A couple of stocks, there are exceptions. And the Apple story, a bit of a wobble around the watches and the problems they've had with selling the watches right around the Christmas period. And Microsoft not exactly extending the rally, but the rest of the names you've seen in Amazon, Meta, the likes of Alphabet, Nvidia, Tesla, that rally continues into year-end. To me, there's also an extension to the laggards out there. Yep. Energy stocks over the past couple of sessions too, catching a bid and banking names where there's been a little bit of caution this year, very much catching a bit on the back of the power pivot. Yeah, and of course, this has been a, a more tough year for, for, for banking stocks, right? I mean, possibly, according to the FT anyway, saying that in the U.S. context, at this year for banking stocks was the worst year since 2008. Let's not forget that, of course, earlier this year we did have uh, that uh, crunch in March or so. 
uh, around SVB uh, as well, which did impact quite a few banks as well across Europe. Deutsche Bank was a little bit of a wobbly one at some stage, but that showed up. Of course, you saw Credit Suisse and UBS. But really, uh, going back to uh, some of what we've just noted as well, NASDAQ on pace for its best year since 2003. Back then, it rose 50%. So to even get anywhere close to that at 44% this year kind of gives you a clear sense of how much that big gain is. S&P less than half a percent away from its all-time record, which it hit in January 2022. So... Clearly, some massive, massive that gains. Said, if you look at a very narrow number of stocks on the Nasdaq, the yep. Fang Plus stocks, for instance, they are up 52% year to date. So they're the reason. In, in the range, right? Yep. Compare that to the banks, as you mentioned, the underperformance. Banks have been up on the KB just three odd percent mm. so far for the year. So very muted activity. Talk about low single digits versus a 50 plus performance in one area of the market. Yeah, and that gives you that, that clear outlying effect. Whether that continues then into 2024, I suppose that's what everybody is, is trying to gauge. And I think there's a, a more muted sort of sense of where things could pretty much uh, end up. Let's also remember then that yesterday we also got news out of Intel, uh, that company being given uh, sort of a, a grant for a $25 billion plant in Israel, uh, th that being a grant given by the Israeli government to Intel. So that stock price went up more than 5%. Also have Manchester United gaining 3%. I'm a, I'm a little bit bullish on, on understanding the reasonings behind exactly where things go from here for Manchester United. But we'll, we'll unpack that one, of course, uh, a little bit later on. So as we talk about goals into next year, what we've got is oh, I see a what you did there. Nice one. Okay. <laughs> right. You've got a Fed trying to effectively score correctly for the markets. And the markets, for me, unfortunately, have moved too far ahead yeah. of potentially where the Fed's going to be. And that 80% chance that the Fed will be cutting rates by March. Is that a bit too early? Is the time frame off in terms of what we're expecting at this stage? Yeah. And then over the course of next year, 150 basis points priced in for easing 2024. Yeah, so, I mean, is, is, is there already that expectation that things are just going to keep knocking on? And I have the question of whether the Fed will actually be cutting, if they do cut or when they do cut, because, of course, inflation would have dropped off, which it has significantly dropped off yet. But would it be a drop off considerably because inflation has dropped off to the levels they wanted to? Or will they then be cutting rates for the wrong reasons, which is ultimately that finally all those interest rate hikes are now finally making their impact and you have a weakening economy effectively, which, of course, has been resilient. It has been chugging along. Yeah. So you, you, can't, you can't write that off. But... Will they be cutting for the right reasons next year? Is it an insurance cut? So you yeah. take the cuts because you want to shore up growth, or is it going to be a recession cut? 100%. Exactly the process that we're perhaps looking at there. Very quickly, even the Asian market uh, today has actually been uh, very interesting to note. Of course, recently we had been following particularly the gaming and the technology stocks uh, out of Asia, the likes of Tencent, NetEase, uh, which had uh, taken a bit of a dip having seen Chinese authorities uh, look to clamp down on the hours spent on gaming as well as the amount of money spent on it, rewards, etc. All of that uh, had been in the news. But then we saw Chinese uh, regulators and authorities really just speak about how they would carefully study all the concerns of all stakeholders on those draft rules uh, in order to uh, perhaps get a more 
market-friendly sort of response by the seams of it. So Chinese and Hong Kong stocks gaining ground there, video game shares all uh, managing to gain 10 cent on the up as well. So those Chinese uh, online gaming stocks in Hong Kong managing to gain 2% up there is the Hang Seng. But interestingly enough there, there goes the Nikkei 225 1.13% higher. Let's remember that that stock is up 27% so far this year. It is Asia's top uh, performing index for 2023. Even the Australian index, they're up eight-tenths of a percent. I thought that was very interesting because it's actually not uh, very far off from uh, its two-year high. In fact, it's even um, eyeing what is uh, yearly gains of around 7% thus far. So still some positivity out of the stock markets out uh, of Asia then. European futures, this is where we're looking. Things are looking very positive for what would effectively be the first trading day then uh, of this week. Of course, following off from two days then uh, where we saw markets pretty much closed out of Europe. So around half a percent or so higher than for the FTSE futures. U.S. futures, this is the market then out of the United States, of course, having seen uh, that Santa rally continue into this uh, trading week there. The S&P 500, not very far off. Those record levels then reached in January 2022. We could see it head towards that mark today. Let's get to Thanos Papasavas, founder and CIO at ABP Invest. Thanos, thanks for joining us during this festive period. Let's get into what you do at this stage around the Santa Claus rally. For those that are still trading over this time frame, do you think there's anything left in those U.S. equity markets, given how aggressively we've rallied into year end? Morning. Morning, Karen. Morning, Arvila. Um, uh, we, are, we, we maintain our positive view on two specific sectors within the U.S. One is the communication services. And the other one is consumer discretionary, where we do believe that the Fed, um, having so far been pretty good since December 2021 to capture the turn on inflation and quieten market expectations, um, may start their cutting of interest rates, but in Q2 rather than Q1. We don't think that they will rush to cut rates by March. We think it's most likely to happen in May. They'd rather wait and see just a couple more numbers on the unemployment rate, which, as you saw, has been surprising to the downside, um, despite the the tight uh, monetary policy. So I think they will not rush. However, the overall environment still seems to be quite constructive for um, a a resilient um, economy. Thanos, how bumpy is it going to get, though, to the rate-cutting scenario? Because at this point, we've responded to a Fed pivot. But is there going to be bad data for us to try and weather? Is it going to be a market that responds to positive messages around rate cuts? I mean, how do you think that sentiment plays out over the next few months in 2024? I think that's a great question, Karen, and I should have, should have addressed it um, earlier. The key point for us and, and where we sort of disagree, if you like, with the markets is not about the when. Uh, we do see that if the underlying inflationary pressures are contained and unemployment remains relatively stable, we can see a cut because we are in super tight territory. What we don't agree with with the markets is the extent of rate cuts by year and next year. So we don't see... 150 basis points of rate cuts in 12 months' time. Why? Because this would assume one of two scenarios. Number one, it would assume a hard landing, which we don't see happening. Secondly, we see inflation going back down to the 0 to 2% level, which again, we don't see as happening because of a number of structural underlying factors. So this is where we disagree with markets, and hence, we could see some shift in expectations and market commentary to address and bring markets back in line with expectations from the Fed. That's on the economic side. 
Separately from that, of course, we're going to be having a number of geopolitical and political developments which could create um, turbulence and, and some waves into the new year. Um, Thanos, yeah, good morning to you. Some festive cheers as well. Thank you for joining us around this time. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the worry then becomes, yes, they, the market has this, this overly overt expectation then of these rate cuts from March. That delay, I mean, are we just too priced for perfection at this stage where we are seeing that U.S. economy continuing to chug along. You still have inflation, yes, continuing to drop off, but it's about the speed of that drop off from here on, isn't it? And I, I mean, that high for longer stance still has to be maintained somewhat. Surely, just because you've ended the hiking cycle, does that mean you really do have to begin your cutting cycle, particularly for the Fed? I, I, I agree with you. There is no rush. I think the Fed has mastered this superbly since, and I th just to clarify here, since they turned around their outlook on inflation, which they originally got terribly wrong. But since that turnaround in, in December 2021, they've managed to do a great job. And I don't think anyone expected for the Fed to achieve a Goldilocks scenario. Um, and, and, and the probability is that they are indeed turning towards that. So going back to your point, Arabile, I think the Fed was gave us a hint of this in November. When the market started to really rally and, and, and expectations started to build about rate cuts, the Fed did not intervene uh, to interject and manage expectations. That to us suggested that the Fed was very much in line with that and, and allowed the market to do its work for them. So I think that as long as the market uh, does not sort of become overtly um, positive and expect even more rate cuts, I think the, the, the Fed would be able to allow for some time, see the unemployment rate. Are we going to see further declines? Are we going to see going back to the sort of 3.4, 3.5 level we had in the summer? And, and, and if so, what impact is that having on inflation? In the near term, because of China's economy, China is exporting deflation. This has been helping the inflationary numbers. If we do see some resilience and some economic growth coming out of China, given some of the policy response taking place there, this could potentially bring a little bit of a, of, of, of a bottom on the inflationary expectations. Uh, Thanos, I wanted to just draw your attention as well to those banking to the banking sector. Uh, Karen and I were just talking about that as well a little bit earlier on. I mean, that uptick of around 3% compared to the rest of the market kind of clear, clearly tells you how tough it has been. But they've also slashed 60,000 jobs in 2023. How, how much more difficult do you think that that sector of the market gets in 2024? Or is it a state of recovery then for them? Because you'll have dropping off interest rates and I guess you won't have... Uh, the, the, the kind of situations you've had thus far with debt? I think we were looking at the, the financial sector and, and banking earlier in the year and during the whole SVB situation, which you alluded to earlier, Abile. And, and our view was that the Fed will protect and it will intervene to ensure that there's no systemic crisis, which it did. But even then, we did not find the U.S., banking and financials attractive. What we did do is we found the European financials attractive. So I think there is also a difference between Europe and the US. And going forward, I think what we're what we're looking at now is, is more on the real estate rather than the financials and banking. We're just sort of considering we've had communication services, we've had consumer discretionary. Is this now a time potentially to reassess the the, the retail and the property sector?
Thanos, can I pick up on the fixed income trade? Because we've been hearing a lot about that in recent weeks. A lot of investors now position around fixed income. It's a trade that you've also liked uh, over the past year or so around U.S. Treasuries. But now as you talk to us about not seeing a 150 basis point cut that the market's anticipating next year, does that mean that the returns are going to be somewhat limited from fixed income? Great question again, Karen. I think there's a, a number of areas. Broadly speaking, we're very positive on fixed income. We have been, as you rightly said, we've been positive on the Treasury since a year ago. And we also turned positive bonds and UK yields in the summer, in July. So we have been very much benefiting on the Gavi side. However, and, and, and uh, we have been neutral on credit. We do not find that credit is attractive with current levels of spreads, given the balance of risks. But we do like emerging markets. Now, Going back to the specific question, if the rates are not um, achieving market expectations, we still like fixed income for two reasons. Number one, because they continue to provide absolute return. And if we look back at the last sort of 120 years of history, the real yield is approximately 1.6%. So they do provide absolute return. And secondly, more importantly, if you like, is that they also provide relative protection. So hypothetically, if there is a surprise to the downside and risk assets, equity markets sell off, this will provide some support on treasuries. So we do like fixed income. We continue to like fixed income both on an absolute and relative basis. Majors, emerging market, preference local, but not credit. Thanos, can I pick up on the emerging market story? You've seen it from the fixed income side, but you're also calling it too on the equities side in terms of the upside for this part of the world into next year. But what about the slowing demand story? If we're talking about scenarios where central banks are having to cut interest rates to try and shore up demand, where does that leave emerging markets? Yeah, I think, Karen, the emerging markets, just to clarify here, we're, we're not positive so much on the Central Eastern Europe. Um, we, we probably missed that because we were concerned about the super dovishness of the central banks in, in, in Central Eastern Europe, whereas we've been quite sort of optimistic on the Latin Americans in particular, but also the Asians, um, Korea, China, Japan has been our favorite sort of equity market for the last uh, three years. So yes, I think there may be some sort of broader slowdown because of the higher interest rates, but they are going to be taking action. They were the first ones in who started um, raising rates and also the first ones who've been cutting rates. And also we expect the Chinese economic recovery to start coming through. Um, as, as policymakers are adjusting a little bit in terms of their hawkishness on the socio-political elements and therefore provide some further support with the U.S. easing rates as well. Thanos, thank you for I'm, giving I'm us. Waiting. Yeah, Thanos, thanks for giving us plenty to think about and special guest host credits for turning up at this time of year. Uh, best of luck and uh, good fortune into next year. Thanos Papasavas with us, founder and CIO at ABP Invest. Global banks have cut over 60,000 jobs this year in what has been one of the worst years for job losses since the financial crisis. Over half the cuts came from Wall Street lenders as investment banks endured slowing deal-making and a weak IPO market for the second consecutive year. Now coming up on the show, Chinese gaming stocks rebound after an $80 billion rout on Friday. We'll explain the tech turnaround. That's coming up next.
Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. Well, the oil story is certainly one we have been following for, for quite some time. Of course, ever since we uh, had a, a bit of those uh, reactions happening across then uh, the area that is uh, the Red Sea area. Of course, prices there uh, indeed were rising. Even just uh, yesterday then, of course, we saw the price even hit, uh, particularly for Brent crude oil, to its highest in almost a month just yesterday. There's the price then at $81.23 a barrel for Brent crude oil. WTI is 75.43. In fact, prices surged more than 2% yesterday after a fresh attack on a container ship in the Red Sea area. Uh, the MSC vessel was targeted while traveling from Pakistan to Saudi Arabia. The company has now said it will avoid the Suez Canal and send shipments around the southern tip of Africa instead. Now, crude prices do remain on course for their first annual decline in around three years' time. So very interesting to kind of just look at that. Of course, Houthi rebels have continued to attack multiple uh, commercial ships this month. So several companies rerouting and even pausing some of their shipments. Now, Chinese industrial profits surged 29.5% in November, sharply higher than in October. The country's National Bureau of Statistics saying that company returns have been boosted by large investment returns. Profits are still lower for the year so far, with a 4.4% decline on 2023 levels. Chinese online gaming stocks are higher today, recovering some losses from the previous session. After the country's top gaming regulator said it will carefully study the concerns of all stakeholders on draft rules aimed at curbing excessive online gaming and spending. Hong Kong listed shares of Tencent, NetEase and Bilibili all plunged Friday on the draft rule. So somewhat of a snapback in session today, as you can see around these trades, nearly 4% up on Tencent and NetEase, bouncing double digits. A big story for Apple. We mentioned before Apple stock has been contained in recent weeks and it's thanks to this big negative. It's appealed against a ban on imports of two of its watches amid a patent dispute with health tech firm Massimo. President Biden's administration had until Tuesday to veto the move by the US International Trade Commission, but declined to do so. Apple has now filed an emergency request for the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit to ban the halt the ban with the decision expected 12th of January. So effectively, uh, the lawyers here having a very fun holiday over at Apple trying to stop in time this ban and trying to kick it out until mid-January. But I just went on a bit of a deep dive into Massimo, a company I think few of us had heard of prior to this yeah. uh, technology being in the spotlight around the Apple Watch. And you know, it, um, it set primary pulse oximetry technology used in nine of the top 10 hospitals. It has devices, it has uh, these uh, sports watches you can sign up for tracking. So it does have a device in the market as well. Yeah, and that will just uh, be very interesting to see how far that of course plays into uh, where Apple stands. And of course, that's significantly why Apple's looking at it so vehemently as well. Yeah, you do wonder whether it's just down to a simple redesign. Is it going to be as easy as that or is it key technology here in the watches? Now, one of the busiest retail periods of the year, we've been taking a look at how tech has performed during the Christmas season. Steve Kovach filed this report. 
Who won Christmas in tech this year? Well, there's one fun data to point to look at. It's Apple's App Store rankings on Christmas Day. It gives you a good snapshot in time for trends new iPhone owners are downloading, plus the accessories they're buying. And the big winner this year, it was Meta. The Quest app was at the top of the App Store on Christmas Day, pointing to a lot of people activating those new VR headsets, especially the latest Meta Quest 3. Now, Meta, of course, has a head start with mixed reality, but Apple says, it'll launch its Vision Pro headset soon, maybe as early as February. Also, gaming was another big theme in the App Store. Xbox, its app was number seven. PlayStation was at number 11. And this hints that it was the first year those new consoles were available after supply chain problems hurt the PlayStation 5 and the latest Xboxes over the last three years. Right behind Meta, though, it was Amazon's Alexa. That means a lot of echoes under Christmas trees. For CNBC Business News, I'm Steve Kovac. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com or join us again on the show with me, Steve Sedgwick, and Karen Cho, weekdays on CNBC.